0: You're listening to Crossroads International Church Podcast. Welcome. We hope this podcast will bless you from wherever you're listening to it. For more information, go to our website at xrds.nl. Now, let's get into the podcast. Good morning, everybody. Bless you. Welcome. So good to see you. Good for us to be together. And... Um, Before I preach, it is a wonderful uh, moment we have today. As um, we've already heard, uh, it's a bit of a community Sunday for us. So there's lots happening. Uh, We are baptizing people after the second service. Uh, We have communion today. It's community Sunday in terms of some food and activities outside. So I encourage you to not just rush home, but to take a moment uh, to hang around, uh, enjoy some of the, the, the stuff outside and just enjoy uh, being with one another, meeting one another, meeting somebody new and just just hanging out a little bit. I, I encourage you to do so. But now what, wha- what I want to do is uh, we want to welcome some new members. Uh, what a great joy that is. Now, uh, s- in the last 12 months, uh, less actually, um, about 10 months or so, we have welcomed or are doing so officially now um, just around 50 or so new members. So isn't that... Um, well, I think so. <laughs> I think it's pretty great. Now, now many of them are not here today and indicate that they could not be here today. Uh, those who are here... Uh, you know you've been in contact with Leonard. Um, I am going to ask you to please just to stand where you are, um, those who are here. I'm going to read some of the names that I know uh, have confirmed they are here. And um, can I just apologize, first of all, that if I mispronounce your name, please don't be cross with me. I I humbly apologize. I will do my best to, to get it right. But Just, I ask for grace. Uh, Mercy and uh, Vinod. I'm not even going to try your surname. Just out of respect for your surname. Um, uh, Esme and Isa. Uh, Esme, Isa, Andy, um, Arnaud and Nathani. Yes, yes. Joelle, Joelle if you're here, uh, Debbie and Itai, are you guys here, okay. are you here, oh there you are at the back, uh, Roland and Melanie, uh, Myro Anthony, um, Amin and Esther Khan. Ebisa, uh, uh, Nageri and Elizabeth Jote. Okay, so those are the ones that confirm they'll be at this service. Uh, so welcome to them. Then I've got a whole list of of beautiful people um, who could not yet be here today: Lucy, Luca, Krishnan. Um, Mutuku Mara Sami Raja Valan vanatan um, and uh Tarshini Shini okay <laughs> Gertian, Glenda uh, Marielle, Mariella Johan uh Jureen <laughs> uh Liji Liji, Jacob, Prasanna, Premkumar, uh, Erica, Eldridge, Andrea. Is Andrea here? I saw, I saw Andrea. Andrea is here. Raymond and uh, Zalia. If you guys are here, Raymond, Zalia, Kirsten, Peter, uh, Cheryl, James, uh, Phoebe, Leif, Arun, Stanley, Christina, okay. Those are some of the names. Isn't it lovely? <laughs> right. Okay. So what I'm going to ask is um, for those who are uh, seated near them. Uh, so keep standing, uh, Debbie and Itai. I'm not done yet. I'm not done. Right? You keep standing. Uh, for those who are near you, I'm going to ask that you just kind of stretch over to them. Let them just just. Place a hand on them, you know, uh, let them feel the weight of community a little bit. And um, and then what I want to say to to all of you before we pray for you, I want to say to all of you on behalf of us as a community, uh, the leaders, the elders, the staff, uh, and each and every one of us, I want to just say to you a massive massive welcome. Um, It is indeed our prayer uh, that God will give you a love for us and that God will give us a love for you, Uh, that you will find a spiritual home here, that you will um, find this to be a place where you can truly encounter Jesus, learn to embrace Him and one another, and find God's calling and mission as you learn to engage the world around you with the love of Jesus. That is our prayer for you, and uh, we sincerely hope that you will feel loved and welcomed here. Let us pray. So, Heavenly Father, we, we thank you for these beautiful and special people that you have brought into our lives. Today, we, we in a formal way, welcome them into our midst. We welcome them into our family of this crossroads community, we thank you for them. We thank you for their lives, for their lives, the, the gift that they are. Bless them. Grow within them a deep love for you, for your church, for your mission in the world. And may they come to a place where they truly say, Lord, I surrender. I want to know you more. Use me in this family in the world. Bless them as we welcome them. In Jesus' name, amen. Right. And then I just want to, as maybe an extension of that, um, I got an email from uh, Mauru. And Dahlia, Maru, are you guys here? There they are. Dahlia, Maru, and kids. Are, but the kids are probably in Sunday school. I um, know <coughs> oh wait, there they are. One, okay. The rest are in Sunday school. Uh, it's their last Sunday as a family with us. Uh, his job has relocated him to another country in Eastern Europe. And uh, Maru, we just want to say to you, God bless you guys as a family. And um, whenever you're in town... You know where to go uh, and where you are welcome. May God's blessing, protection, and care be upon you as a family, as you step into this new season as a family. May you know God's blessing. So, bless you. Right. um, Now the sermon. Okay. Okay. Right, friends, so um, I try, I'll try. i try not to be too long today, but so we're busy with a sermon series, and we're busy um, looking at prayer, uh, understanding and recognizing that God has given us this tremendous gift. We've been saying over the last three, four weeks that God has given us this wonderful gift to help deepen and grow in a more intimate way, to draw us closer to Him, to be in a a relationship that is intimate with our Creator, to commune with Him, to hear His voice, and for Him to hear our voice—a wonderful gift that God has given us. And so, we've been looking at that and talking about that. And my hope and my prayer for each and every one of us has been that God would, over this last few weeks before we go into our holidays, um, uh, into the summer break, that we will take this time to to explore our prayer lives, with the desire, with the aim to really get to a place of what we sang earlier, God, I surrender, draw me close to you. I want to know you more. And so we've been talking about prayer. We've, we've looked at Old Testament characters thus far. That's what we're doing. We're looking at different characters in the Bible and seeing as we look at their story, what does their story teach me as I live my story? And so we've been looking at Old Testament characters. We've been talking about Moses and uh, Elijah and David a little bit. Uh, Today we jump to the New Testament as um, we're going to start off by looking at Jesus. Uh, Imagine that. (laughs) The life of Jesus and then next week the Apostle Paul and then we'll wrap up this sermon series. Um, I still encourage you to have a look at the daily devotions. I know we've had some hiccups with the wrong week or whatever, but... We fix it up. Just keep your eye on it. We'll uh, we uh, we correct it and uh, make sure that the right ones are there. But I encourage you to use the daily devotion. So today we're looking at the life of Jesus, and I want to really just look at two things. I think the first thing that I want to say to you, or where I want to start, is that when we look at the life of Jesus and I suppose the first obvious observation is that Jesus did not just teach about prayer. He did not just, well, this is what you should do, and this is how you should do it. I mean, He absolutely lived it. He taught it, but He modeled it for us. He lived it. He did it and set the example. And it must have, there must have obviously been something about how He lived out His relationship with His Father through this vehicle of prayer that must have touched the lives of those around him. So much so that eventually they came to him and said, well, Jesus, please teach us how. Teach us how you do it. Please teach us how to pray. So Jesus did not just talk about it, but he did it and he lived it and he modeled it for us. Then the second observation I want to make uh, is this. So Jesus, the Messiah, the one that these characters that we looked at in the Old Testament was looking forward to his coming. I think it's important to note that he did not arrive when Jesus came and Jesus come and say, okay, right, New Testament, New Covenant, everything that the uh, Old Testament guys did and learned about prayer from them, no longer applicable. I'm going to show you a new way. Forget what they said, what they did. Here's how you should really do it. No. I think what is noticeable about Jesus' life, and I mean, let me illustrate it for you, but what's notable about Jesus' life when it comes to prayer is he, he reinforced m- much of what we had spoken about that we saw evident in the lives of these Old Testament characters. He said, look, yes, what they, what they did is right. And so it just reinforces for us that stuff we spoke about when we looked at Moses and David and Elijah, for example. Here's an example. If we look at Matthew chapter 6, verse 5 to 8, I'm going to read it for us quickly. It really comes from around the time of the Sermon on the Mount. You'll remember that. Jesus said this. He said, And when you pray, this is Jesus now, And when you pray, do not be like hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners, to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room. That stuff about separating yourself that we spoke about last week. Do you remember? Please, somebody just nod. Yeah, I, okay, great. Thank you. Right? You remember? Good. Okay. You go into a room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who has seen what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans. (laughs) Sorry, Lord. (laughs) For they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask of Him. Okay, so what was going on there is there was this custom where the Pharisees would, would... So here's how they would pray. And maybe it's hard for us to comprehend because our understanding of prayer is so much different now, right, because of Jesus. But how they would pray is they would, um, for the custom was they would go into, uh, into the streets, stand on the street corners, and then loudly and publicly, um, not for the sake of their relationship with God or to worship God in any particular way, but it was a way of making a point, and part of the point was, look how great I am, and look, and let me remind you how bad you are. So, so often the praise would be kind of things. So yes, Lord, and we pray for. I pray for that lady who who hung out her washing last Sunday on that <laughs> corner over there, and you know. So it would be a way of, but you get what I mean, right? To to in a in a religious way, in inverted commas try and correct the community uh, where they have done wrong. And so that was how they understood prayer. And so Jesus is speaking into that situation. And and in doing that, he confirms so much of the stuff we, we learned from Moses and David and Elijah. One of the things is about honesty, about being real. About measuring your words, about speaking from your heart. So, all that stuff we've spoken about for the last few weeks, Jesus comes in the New Testament and He says, Yes, that's right. That's the better way to pray. Don't, you're not gonna impress me with the length of your prayer or the amount of words, but it's your heart and it's the sincerity and it's the honesty and it's the realness from your heart. So don't be false, don't pretend that stuff we spoke about, about how we so easily uh, fall into the pattern and habit of using the same phrases, the same words, and then eventually they begin to lose meaning and substance because we just repeat the same thing over and over again. And so what Jesus is saying there to us, engage your heart when uh, when you pray. Engage your heart. Real. Honesty. So he's saying, Think about what you are saying and mean what you are saying. So he confirms for us those things we learned from the Old Testament characters. It's an important point to make, I think, about Jesus' approach to prayer. Uh, Here's another example. Uh, We spoke about this last week. We spoke about Elijah um, praying with with persistence and not giving up. That is value in that. That somehow, even though we might not fully comprehend it, somehow we understand that God honors when God's people persist in prayer in faith, I said, God, I, I believe I'm going to wait on you. I'm not just going to ring the doorbell and run. I'm going to ring. And I'm going to wait in place. I'm going to keep on ringing that doorbell. Jesus tells two parables in Luke chapter 11 and in chapter 18. In chapter 11 with the parable, you'll know this. It's a parable where uh, this guy has a friend coming to visit him. But the friend arrives late at night, midnight. The friend gets to his house. He doesn't have any food for him. So he goes to his neighbor, and he bangs on the door, uh, looking to see maybe his neighbor's got some food, some bread that he can give to this guest that has arrived so late. So he goes to the neighbor, and he bangs on the door. But it's midnight. It's late. It's the last hour, and he's banging, and he's banging, and he's banging. Eventually, but the neighbor comes, and he, and he says, What are you doing? Look at the time. I'm sleeping. Don't bother me. Um, but he keeps on, he keeps on, he persists. And eventually you kind of get the sense where that neighbor says, okay, look, I'm gonna help you, not so much because we're friends, but because you just won't leave me alone, <laughs> almost, it's kind of the feeling that we get from that parable. And so Jesus is teaching there again what we learned from Elijah about persistence, not being scared to pray and to keep on praying for this particular thing that God has placed on your heart, for that thorn in your flesh, whatever it might be, that habit that you are wrestling with. Persistence in faith, in prayer, Jesus confirms that and he teaches that. And you know what? It's just that even, you know, just thinking about that persistence, you know, even though we might not fully understand it, I I think just even in physics right? We learn this thing. I'm looking at you, Derek, right? That if I do something here, it has a consequence, a reaction over there. I do something here, something happens over there. This action, reaction kind of thing. And so so I just know, and, and this is what Jesus is teaching, and I understand that if I pray over here, God does something over there, Prayer is powerful, and it changes things, and it changes lives, and it changes destinies. And that's part of what Jesus is teaching, what Elijah understood, and Jesus reinforces that. I pray over here, and I keep on praying. God, in His majesty and love and grace towards us, does something over here. I don't fully understand it, but I know it works. And so I'm going to keep on praying. And so Jesus reinforces that. That's really the first observation I want to make about Jesus and teaching us about prayer and how to pray. Okay, then the second point and the last point, um, which has many sub points. (laughs) Before you get too excited. (laughs) So eventually there comes this time where Jesus' disciples, and as I said, they must have noticed They must have seen, hang on, there's something about Jesus and how he prays and his understanding of prayer and his love for prayer that must be at the heart of his ministry and being able to do the things that he does, that there must be something. And so there comes a point where the disciples come to Jesus and they say, Jesus, please teach us how to pray. And he says, great, here's how you pray. And so this is Jesus' lesson on prayer prayer to his disciples, and it is the Lord's Prayer, and I want to go quickly through line by line. Those are the sub points um, of Jesus teaching his disciples how to pray, but we are going to do it very quickly. Maybe what I should do, because it is quite fascinating actually, maybe next year I'll do a whole sermon series just on the Lord's Prayer, maybe, but we'll see. Today we're going to run through it. Let's first read it. In Matthew's Gospel, we read from Matthew's Gospel, chapter 6, verses 9, uh, and we'll read to the end there. This then is how you should pray. These are the words of Jesus Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. I think it says it differently, but I did it out of memory. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Okay, let's have a look at it line by line. So Jesus starts off by saying, okay, you want to know about praying? Here's the first thing I want to say to you our Father in heaven. And what Jesus is saying, you begin with the line, my Father in heaven. Okay, let me just say this quickly. Jesus did not teach them that these are the words you must use, and exactly these words, and only these words. No, he was giving them a pattern, an outline. And then he says, and so you use this outline, and then you color it in with your own words and your own life and your own story." But in this pattern, there's certain, in this outline, there's certain elements that must be present. And the first one we see in the first line, our Father in heaven. And what Jesus is saying here is saying you, you begin by considering and reflecting and remembering the nature of your relationship with your Creator. So somewhere in your prayer life, there needs to be, at the beginning, this this consideration again of and affirmation of your relationship. That's what that first bit says. Affirming your relationship with your Creator. You are my Father. I am your child from that place, remembering that. It's not master, servant, teacher, student. It's all those things we understand on some level. We we get that. But as you come to pray, affirm and remember the nature of your relationship. It is father, child. It says, our Father in heaven, but the Greek word for heaven is the same as air. So what you're praying is, you're saying, Father, child, what you're saying is, you are as close to me as the air that I breathe. And that's where I begin. That's where I, where I launch from. I remember who you are to me, and I remember who I am to you. And based upon that truth and that relationship, I pray. Make sense? Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. So Jesus then says, so the next thing that you now do, is, so you've reflected and you've affirmed the nature of your relationship with your creator. Now what you do is, hallowed be your name, you are reflecting upon the nature and character of God. You remind yourself, you remember who God is. There needs to be that element in my prayer, hallowed be your name. So he's saying, Lord, you are holy. You are beautiful. You are love. You are kindness. You are mercy. You are goodness. And so out of that remembering, hallowed be your name, part of what Jesus is saying, as you remember who God is, Out of that will flow an attitude of praise and thanksgiving. So there's a moment of, God, as I consider who you are, I remind really, it's not that God forgets who God is, it's we forget who God is and we need to remind ourselves. I need to remember to whom it is that I'm praying. That'll shape and inform my prayers, right? And how I pray, if I'm reminded who it is that I'm praying to. And out of that, the, the flip side of that coin needs to be this component of praise and thanksgiving. God, I'm grateful. Thank you. Thank you for looking after me, my family, for providing, for opening doors, for closing doors. Lord, thank you. Hallowed be your name. It's reflecting upon the nature of God in a place that leads me to thanksgiving and praise. Okay. Okay. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What's Jesus saying there? He's saying, okay, right, now you need to do, okay, so you have remembered who God is to you and who you are to God. He's my father, I'm his child. I've reminded myself about just who he is, holy, and I thank him for it, and I praise him for it. The next thing you do, he says, is you pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You do two things. That's what that line says. Now two things need to happen. You need to yield to God's plan. So in that part, what you're praying is you're actually saying, Lord, when you pray your kingdom come, you're saying, I believe. Even though I don't fully see it now or understand it now, I, I believe that your plan for me and this world is the right plan and the best plan, even though it might not make sense to me, and even though it might not be my plan, but your kingdom come. I believe I, that your plan is the best one, is essentially what you're saying, and I submit to that. I yield to that. Your kingdom come in my life, in the world. You know better than me, and I submit to that. I yield to that. That's the first thing that he says you do there. In that line. And then, as an extension of that, he says, And now that you've yielded to that, you are saying, When you say, uh, Will be done on earth as it is in heaven, what you are actually praying, saying, Jesus, I want to join that plan. I yield to it, I want to join with it. So, what you're actually saying is, Lord, here are my hands and feet, use me to make your plan for creation become reality, use this life. Use this heart, use his hands, use his feet. I believe it, I yield and submit to it, and I stand in the queue to sign up. Use me. I join with it. That's what you're praying when you pray that. So somehow in my prayer life, in my outline, these elements need to be present. God, I I see what's happening in the world and and I see how society is going and I and I just know that that's not your plan for humanity and and Lord and I, and I just as I read your word I'm reminded of what your will for my life is what your will is for humanity and God I believe in that and that's right that's that's how it should be that's what we were created for and God as I pray that I say Lord will will you use me in the people I meet at work at school whatever to make Your plan for us become real. That's what we pray, okay? Give us this day. And notice, all the while, you've not even asked for anything yet. There's been no asking for anything. Then we get to a line where Jesus says, okay, give us this day our daily bread. Now we're ready to ask. Now we've done all that work that we've spoken about. Now I'm ready to ask. But also ask in a very specific way. Give me this day my daily bread. It's not just ask with a shopping list, God, okay, now that I've, whew, I've done that, God, you're great, wonderful, good, your plan's good. Okay, God, now can we get down to the real business? Uh, Lord, can you please, um, you know, help my neighbor to not party so late at night? Can you please? Do, and then I started my shopping list, and, and and then off I go. That's not even how Jesus is teaching us how to ask. He, what he's essentially saying is, you ask in a way that says, that recognizes the teaching of Jesus, don't worry about tomorrow kind of stuff, that tomorrow isn't, there's no such thing. It doesn't exist. Tomorrow is not, it's not real. It doesn't happen yet. Or the past, but it's Jesus saying, you ask in a way that recognizes here now, give me what I need for here now. Give me just enough for this moment, for this day. And so my prayers are something like that as I pray, God, as I write my test today, The test happening this morning at school, I ask for your grace and for clarity of mind and for calm nerves. Give me what I need today. Just enough for this moment. A very specific way of asking. Okay, I'm moving on. And once I've done that, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Right there in the middle of the prayer. Jesus plants this moment, this opportunity of liberation, this opportunity of of freedom and reconciliation. He's saying there needs to be a moment where you come to a place as you pray that you recognize having reflected upon the holiness of God that you are not and that you've messed up. There needs to come a moment where where you feel free out of this relationship where you say, God, just, oh man, Lord, I'm sorry for this. I'm sorry for that. Please forgive me. And Lord, I forgive those who have said this and done that. So there's a moment of receiving, asking for, and giving forgiveness. Beautiful. Use that moment in your prayer. Don't leave that moment out in your prayer life. This moment of of reconciliation and forgiveness and freedom. Okay, then really the last line. Which is an interesting one, actually. I I, I need one minute for that, then I'll stop. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Now, if you read that the way, is it up there, Uh, Davy? Can we just can, can we throw that verse up there? Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Have you got it, Davy? Okay. So that's how it's written, right? And lead us not into temptation but deliver us from the evil one. Now, reading it like that, you might ask the question, okay, so does God lead me into temptation? You know, it's a bit of a thing that you might want to have a conversation about. Okay, And you can have a whole theological debate about, does God lead us into the jaws of the devil, as it were? I've been reading quite a few scholars, and, they seem, and, and then there seems to be this, this thing, uh, Walter Brueggemann is one of them, that says actually what possibly has happened, we, to understand what Jesus is teaching us there, we've put the comma in the wrong place. Perhaps it should read, and lead us, comma. Not into temptation, but deliver us from everyone. So what it's actually saying, and lead us. Not in the way that I would lead myself into temptation. Make sense what I'm saying? Lord, you know me. You know I'm like a moth to a flame. I'm good at temptation. I'm good at finding it and wanting to succumb to it and putting myself in positions and spaces and places where I'm going to get tempted. I'm good at it, God. Knowing that, I pray and ask, lead me. Not where I, if I was leading, would lead myself. So what I'm praying, I'm saying, God, take me by the hand, and you lead. Not into temptation. Deliver me is perhaps a better way of understanding or reading that line. Does it make sense what I'm saying? And that's the end of the prayer. Okay. Then in the second century, the church uh, added uh, a psalm of David that he wrote in to Samuel. Um, For thine is the kingdom, the power, the glory, forever and ever. It's a psalm of David that they added as a benediction at the end. But uh, what we understand from the original text, that that's kind of where the prayer ends. Final comment, then it's amen, and we can go and enjoy outside. Final comment about Jesus and prayer. It is very obvious to me that Jesus' prayer life was defined, informed, and shaped by His baptism. And I want to make this point because we're baptizing people today. His prayer life was defined by His baptism. What do I mean by that? You remember when he was baptized, and as he came out of the water, with his words, "You are my son, with whom I am well pleased." Do you remember that? It was from that place of understanding his relationship with his father that shaped how he prayed. That meant that he could not go a single day without praying. And what Jesus taught you and me and what He wants you and I to know is that that very kind of relationship that He has with the Father, He wants us to have is possible for us in Him, through Him, because of Him. He wants you to know your Creator as a Father who loves you even when you mess up. And if we grab grab hold of that truth, that nature of the relationship with our Creator, it will transform how you pray. Jesus' baptism shaped His prayer life. Amen. Thank you for listening, and we hope that you have a wonderful week. See you next time.